lot of college football on today's podcast. My top 12. We'll talk with Danny Cannell for about 45 minutes, uh, including conference rankings. We'll do a playoff draft. Just a bunch of stuff. All the topical stuff going on in college football. If you've got worst take and life advice. It's the Ryan Russillo podcast presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA final starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs and FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming, so please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 and older. 18 plus in DC and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler or visit rg help.com. This episode is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows on over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. To start today's podcast, uh, I'm going to go over my college football top 12 because this is what the playoff will look like. All right. I have some things I feel strong about, other things I don't know, and I'll tell you when that happens. Uh, Not super strong on number one, but Ohio State will be number one of my rankings at this point. Um, You could make an argument if you wanted to that they've only played teams that actually aren't that good or not that exciting, especially post-Notre Dame after that win. Um, But I just don't think that's fair. I love their offense. I love their offense. I can't imagine any scenario because it's actually going to get better here when it gets healthier. I can't imagine any scenario where I don't love their offense. Um, So I'm going with them, even if their strength of schedule is below a couple other teams at this point. Um, Will that be consistent with every ranking? No, it will not be. I have Bama number two. Is the Arkansas win better than any Ohio State win? Probably. Uh, the strength schedule is better. Strength of record's better. All those things. Jalen Milrow comes in a four-star quarterback, runs all over the place. They're number one on yards per play on offense, and they're actually, or excuse me, they're number three, I believe, in that category, and number one in defense of the Power Five schools. So they're doing something right. If you want to put Bama one, I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. Georgia have down to three. I'm now worried. I'm now worried a little bit about the offense. Not saying that it can't get turned around. This tight end, multifaceted, it's going to be fucking awesome and all these different things. It just seems to be slowing down there a little bit. And they really did battle with Mizzou. Um, Now, I saw Joel Klatt, who hates the SEC, he moved them all the way down to five, right? And it was kind of like, well, you know, the Michigan, excuse me, um, the, the win against Oregon doesn't matter as much, whatever. You can't put Georgia behind Michigan, okay? Because I don't think there's any version of events where Michigan beats Oregon 49 to three. I don't. So that's why I have Georgia third. Uh, I had Michigan fourth, back and forth with Clemson at five. I'm actually moving Clemson up. I just like their best two wins better than Michigan's two wins. Beating Wake and beating NC State. If you don't pay attention to ACC football, you may be dismissive of it. Um, that's that's more impressive than beating Iowa and Maryland. It just is. Uh, and Maryland's pretty good. And Iowa has to be one of the easiest teams to make sure their defensive numbers are pretty good because their offense is absolutely atrocious and if i'm putting you fourth to play in the playoff i need you to do better than beating iowa 27 to 14 that could change there 
Uh, I originally had Michigan four there, but I was like, why am I giving them benefit of the doubt when I like those two wins back-to-back weeks against Wake and the top 10 ranked at the time, NC State. It's not really used to being ranked that high. Um, offensive yards per play, Clemson's getting a little bit better, certainly better, something that we were tracking last year where they were terrible. Uh, 58th, or excuse me, 5.8 at 46th right now offensively. There's some stats that Michigan certainly is better than. Uh, no problem. Just like Clemson a little bit more. Struggling with six, seven, and eight. Uh, but like a lot of people, I have Oklahoma six. I like the Baylor win more than anything that USC has done. Uh, SC's non-conference, not that great. Uh, I have USC seventh, Rice and Fresno. Fresno's all right, but they've already played three conference games, which is saying more than you know what you're looking at with some of the non-conference stuff there with Oklahoma State. So if you want to put SC up there, I'm not going to tell you wrong. Both overall strength schedule at this point are basically bad and even 90s into the 100s strength of record same deal with them okay this one i moved around a ton i started with tennessee old miss and penn state in that order uh and then i changed it i put penn state eighth uh they technically have zero ranked wins at this point i just think it's hard to go down to auburn and beat them and they put it on them uh the northwestern score could be concerning at 17-7 yep but they also had five turnovers in that game even though the turnover margin was plus two so I'm making some excuses here for Penn State, but I'm looking at the strength of schedule and giving them a little bit of an uptick. And then I'm kind of doing the game where I'm saying, all right, Ole Miss against Penn State, who would I pick? I'd pick Penn State. Tennessee against Penn State, who would I pick? And my answer is I don't know. I think I'd lead Tennessee there. They have two ranked wins, but they're Pitt and Florida. We're both unranked now. So that's always the dangerous game there that you're going to hear from media members and fan bases that are pushing certain teams is are you using – ranked wins at the time or are you after 10 weeks using wins against teams that were ranked or are you doing the weird shit where you're taking it out and saying against the top 35 schools you know how many top 50 wins like i'll do that later this season where i'll take a team and make the most glowing presentation of their resume and then i can also do something that's pretty damning um and that's why i think later on we get to some of these 12 11 you know, teams 11, 12, and 13 later in the season, you're going to go, have you done one thing that's like really awesome? And then now you're going to be in the playoff. So I changed it around. I put Penn State 8th. I put Tennessee ninth. I put Ole Miss 10th. I'd pick Tennessee against Ole Miss. I feel stronger than that one against Tennessee against Penn State. And then finally, it's Oregon and Utah, the two Pac-12 schools. Right now in the AP, the SEC has seven. Pac-12 has got five. ACC four, Big 12 four, Big 10 only three. We'll change. We'll see. Not sure though. Um, Oregon, the UGA loss, you're like, is that one that much worse than Utah's Florida loss? Sure felt like it in the moment, (laughs) right? It's worse, but then you can play the game of who's Florida now to compare to who's Georgia. So I put Oregon here. Um, Strength of schedule on this one, it favors Oregon because they've got that Georgia one there, which is like, cool, our strength of schedule is awesome, but we got dismantled. Uh, for an afternoon in Atlanta. And you could argue, if you wanted to, that it was a true road game for Utah. I don't know that that was a great time at the Mercedes-Benz Dome for a fan base from the furthest point of the country. Uh, and then I did the head-to-head thing. I go, Oregon, Utah. Like we're, There's some other head-to-heads where I go, I think I'd pick Clemson against Michigan. I could be wrong. I might even pick USC against Oklahoma State, which would contradict the rankings there. Uh, Oregon, Utah is an absolute I don't know. I could pick a side. I don't know. I just went with the total body of work for Oregon. I just like it a little bit better than Utah. So there you go, your top 12.
Start the NFL week off right with a no-sweat same-game parlay every Thursday from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. It doesn't matter if you're new to FanDuel or already have an account. Every Thursday night, you'll get free bets back if your NFL same-game parlay doesn't hit. Same-game parlays are the perfect way to combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payday. All right, let's take a look here. Colts at Broncos. Uh, I'm going to do something a little different here. I'm going to take a favorite Denver laying three here on this one because I think if you looked at any version of events where you go, wait, is there any part where the Colts are only getting three in a primetime game at Denver? No. So let's hope that Denver's figured out a few things, which, you know, I don't think they have, but, you know, focus, short week. Uh, we'll go Melvin Gordon, anytime touchdown score, and then let's try to juice up the payout on this one. We'll go Mo Ali cox who's gone from like a couple targets to six targets, two touchdowns in his last game with the Colts. So you would think looking at him a little bit more. So what you try to find is two that are fairly straightforward and then one that increases the payout. And again, the reason the same game parlays work, $50 bet on this one, uh, you're going to win about $1,100 if you hit that one. So I build my own. You can build your own or choose from one of the popular same game parlays pre-built for you in FanDuel's top rated sportsbook app. If you don't like mine, check theirs out. However you want to play, you can bet the NFL every Tuesday night with a no-sweat same-game parlay. And with FanDuel's new live same-game parlays, you can continue building same-game parlays even after the game has started. Just sign up with the promo code RYAN, R-Y-E-N, if you don't already have an account. The promo code RYAN to get free bets back if your same-game parlay doesn't hit. So on top of everything else, they're hooking you up if it doesn't work out. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 and older in select states. Three-plus legs, minimum $1 bet required. Refund issued with non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after receipt. Max bet, $5. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. This episode is supported by State Farm. So look, a little rock hit your dude's windshield on the highway. And at first you're like, what is that? I'm like, oh, it's just a little mark. Nope. Now by the end of the ride, it's a big crack. And it had been a while. So I check out the State Farm app. I go, hey, this is what happened. And the funny thing is, is I was like, do I want to go app first or do I call old school guy? Probably should call. I was like, let's check out the app. Not only did it take a minute to get done, they set up the glass replacement. They told me the estimate ahead of time. Said, do you want to go ahead with it? And I was like, now I understand. It's all in front of me, all done. I didn't even have to talk to anybody. That's how efficient the insurance game has become. But really, the only words you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, just like I did, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to somebody. The app was so good, I didn't even need to do that. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. Danny Cannell, former co-host, CBS, all over the place. Uh, I was listening to you and Dusty the other day. Mm-hmm. Where? <laughs> no, I just, you know, I just forgot the time. So why don't you why don't you tell me what time it is again? Because I always screw it up. It's always oh. weird with the East Coast thing for me on the Mondays. Well, or, I did. So we're on seven to nine on yeah. ESPN U Radio, and then we yeah. picked up a second gig. We're on noon to three in the afternoon. So you get five hours of us nonstop talking. We're on Mad Dog Sports Radio in the afternoon. But now, were you just, were you really listening or were you saying that to try to give me a little chance to plug? No, I really was listening. I was really Did- listening. And um, I got frustrated because Dusty was making a point and it took so long. 
that I was waiting for him to like tee, tee you up. And then I was like, this is what happens when you don't have a host. <laughs> so I don't want this to get back to Dusty and have him. Think oh, it's going to get shit. back. He's no. going to be ticked to you. He's going to no, be hot. I, I ex- but I was, it was one of those things where I was like, I really want to hear where this goes. And I was in the car sweating my ass off seven minutes later. And I went, all right, I can't. <laughs> I tried. I tried. But I think whenever they, you know, the non-host thing, I think it's great trying without the host. But then I'm like, oh, there's a reason there's hosts. <laughs> so basically, I just spent the first minute and a half dumping on the mechanics of your radio show. And that's not what I meant to do because I actually do like the show. Now I feel like a dick. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. Dusty's going to listen to this. He's, I, he's, we have great chemistry. You do. I think you he, he teased me up perfectly. I thought what you were going to say, because we had, we do our own dirty dozen, which is our top 12 teams. And we pick like a draft, our top 12 teams of college football. And it got about as heated as it's ever been between he and I. And the first thing I got done with when I was done with the segment, like people were like, are you guys okay? I went back to you and I, when we used to have some heated debates about rankings, who deserves to be where and who would win. And it was, it was getting hot. And I think he was getting as frustrated with me as you used to get. And that's all I kept thinking. I'm like, am I that bad? Like these guys are starting to hate me, but it, I thought it was good radio. Like from that perspective, <laughs> no, it is good. It's got catch it more often than you realize. <laughs> cause now I was like, why am I catching now? It makes sense. I'm like, oh, that's cause he's on five hours now. Uh, have you <laughs> noticed a pattern then? Maybe it is you. <laughs> Maybe I'll tell you, Courtney's told me that all the time. You know, I'll talk to her and be like, ah, I was a rough day at work. You know, I don't know if it was the best segment. And she'll often say, you know, maybe it's you. You're the one that's annoying. You're the one that's always uh, just playing the devil's advocate and contrarian a little too much. Maybe, maybe it is me. No, I uh, actually think Van Pelt and I, our, our worst two fights were far worse than anything I ever had with you. Um, there the was one- a couple, there were a couple segments before when it I was would before come on you were on the guest. show. Yes, yes. yes. When, when you came in to visit, <laughs> Van Pelt was giving it to you. And then I was like foaming at the mouth. <laughs> and it was like if Bama went down like seven nothing to unranked Vandy, <laughs> which wouldn't happen. But you understand the point. And then Danny would put out his googly eyes like, ooh. Look and then that. Van Pelt's like, why do you do it? And I then I jumped in. So you were just like, fuck these guys. And then I remember <laughs> you saying like, why do you follow me then? <laughs> Why do you say that Vanderbilt couldn't go up on Alabama? Why do you got to take that stance? Easily good. Because <laughs> I forget uh, how often what do they get him once every every seven years. So I, I have uh, used uh, a lot of self restraint with those first quarter. I learned too many times that they're probably not gonna probably not gonna end that way. But that's what you used to do. Anytime a big time SEC school was down seven nothing, you get those two eyes or the thinking emoji, <laughs> and then you yell back <laughs> at us. Yeah, that was more heated than really anything you and I oh. ever had. I, I know there was a time where I, that, I, the one time I got the most pissed at you and it was, we were going back and forth, we were going back and forth. And I was like, well, what do you, you know, like, what do you mean? And you were like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> on the air, <laughs> which had never happened to me ever. <laughs> like no one had ever done the high school buddies <laughs> hanging out like, uh. <laughs> And I tell me that him. only happened once. It happened one time because I, okay. I think I said on the I was like, did you just uh, me as a rebuttal? <laughs> Whatever. All right. All right. So we spent five minutes on that. That was a good, good start. OK. What did you do at number one in your dirty dozen? At my dirty dozen, I went back. I'm going to pull it up here to make sure I have it right. 
because I want to make sure I'm, I'm accurate here. I moved Georgia out and I have Alabama as the number one team in the country. And I thought that was one of those cases where they've got the resume. They got the eye test. They did it with a backup. Now with Bryce Young going out, they did it with Milrow coming in. Um, so I had them at number one. You didn't have an issue with that, did you? No, I moved George out. No, I didn't do a Joel Clatt where he went from one to five, which is absurd. Um, but I know one day you oh, guys boy. are going to have a beach house together and just hang out <laughs> on your porch being like, remember no, when he I hates moved Georgia? Me now. Oh, he, he doesn't, doesn't like, like you now? No, I put a poll out, the top four jobs, because you only have four options yeah. on, you know, on Twitter polls. And I put Wisconsin, Nebraska, Georgia Tech, Arizona State. And he was pissed off because I didn't have Colorado as one of the top four. So I don't I, have an issue I with that. I mean, re- recruiting wise alone, Arizona is, you know, you could say the same for Georgia Tech, too, which is, you know, tech is a little bit more challenging. Um, I don't I don't think you're wrong there to leave them out of the top four. And by the way, like I'm all for that place. It's unbelievable. See you. But it's I mean, you've been down a long time, except for like one weird year there. So I don't have a problem. With that. Look, I had Ohio State one, as I mentioned in the open of the podcast today. I have different challenges with doing the 12. And the reason I'm doing the 12, too, is at the end of the year, I want one of those teams at 11 or 12 to be horrible with no resume. And we're like, cool, they're going to be in the playoff. Awesome. (laughs) Because it happens. I went back and looked at every team from like 11, 12, and 13. And I'm like, these arguments are going to be so fucking stupid. There's going to be some school that plays no one out of conference, has one ranked win, and that team isn't even ranked anymore. And they're going to be 12th. And we're like, welcome to the playoff. That's okay. Because when we saw the bracket that everybody else said, and I saw you tweet out, like, whoever doesn't like this can't be my friend. That's fine. We've had our issues in the past here, too. Uh, Ohio State just feels like I know for certain what they are in offense. And that is scarier than what Bama or Georgia is. And so the the Georgia part that's weird is this is the Kent State thing, which I actually look at that as you get so up for these other games. Like I've seen Bama in the FCS game look like shit for a half. And it could be the worst 30 minutes of football you've seen from all year long because they're just like, whatever, we're not up for this. We got Auburn next week. But then to go to Mizzou, where I watched that game, Danny, and like that wasn't this weird. We have four turnovers in the red zone score. Like they were kind of going back and forth with Mizzou, who, you know, let's face it, like, you know, okay, should have beat Auburn, maybe, but didn't. And, you know, there's there's certainly on the lower end of SEC school. So uh I I moved Georgia out of that and I moved them to three, but it was really splitting hairs for that one to put Ohio State up. I just feel like with their receivers and their quarterback and their tackles. Uh, and the tight end, I feel like that's the best bet of any single unit um, of those three teams, which, again, could be wrong because it still might be Georgia's defense. Why do you hate the ACC? I haven't heard Clemson brought up yet. No, I put them to four. I put them over Michigan. Okay, because okay so you did put Yeah, because I look at, look, I think if I'm, again, I'm just sort of repeating myself here, but Clemson's wins against Ranked teams, NC State's good, Wake's good. Like those teams will probably still be ranked at the end of the year. Where like a team like Arkansas, I go, I don't know. I think they're all right. You know, I don't love the quarterback all the time. They could end up 12th or they could end up 24th. I don't know what the hell's going to happen with them, but I don't know why Michigan's getting the benefit of the doubt in the other polls and from so many other people over Clemson when I like their two best wins more than I like Michigan's. I do too. I, I think uh, Clemson is a team that I looked at with a lot of speculation coming into the season. I almost was of the mindset, I think I talked to you about this, was 
they might need to make a change at quarterback to Cade Klubnick because DJ Ungle was struggling for the first three, you know, four games. And then the Wake Forest game, I really thought was going to be his like coming out party. Like he was able to silence his critics. He put the team on his back. He had so many outstanding throws in that game that it was just going to be this massive turning point. And I do, I think that is one Dabo Sweeney deserves a ton of credit for because he stood by his guy for a lot longer than a lot of coaches would have. And that's one of Dabo's greatest traits and maybe one of his weaknesses too is that he's loyal to a fault. You know, the fact that he doesn't love the transfer portal because he feels, you know, hey, that might have betrayed a program and he doesn't like that. But he was preaching at ACC Media Days this offseason that, that, that DJ was going to be the quarterback that he saw at Notre Dame, the quarterback that we saw in high school. And we didn't see that for three games. I mean, Georgia Tech, that was a nationally televised game. The score was a little bit seeping. He was struggling. It wasn't great. You know, they kind of sputtered. They stopped. They started. And then I thought that was kind of the part, like the, the real turning moment potentially for DJ's career. That's why I'm starting to buy more into Clemson. And I have them slightly higher just because of the resume. But I think a lot of it does hinge on DJ. And now they've done it without Brian Brzee, who's been out. You know, he's out last week. That was a pretty impressive win. Their secondary got torched by Wake. And that was, that was a rough performance for them. But they found a way to win with the offense, which I didn't think they'd be able to do. They wouldn't have done that last year. The fact that I think they'll get healthier on the defensive side of the ball, especially secondary, I think Clemson is a team that I was like skeptical outside in, you know, maybe just on the outside of the playoff. I'm starting to believe that they might be one of these legit playoff contenders too. So I, I think four is probably the appropriate spot for them. This Georgia, is where I was just to go back to Georgia. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you. I think it's getting more like Kent State. Totally agree. It happens. You're at home. A slow start. You're late. You know, you're just, you just put happens. it on Georgia. You put it on Oregon in like this showcase game. You smash South Carolina, which again is not a talentless football team. Not to say they're like, I think South Carolina is awesome, but they always have like a couple guys there. And you're watching those for two weeks. And this is what we both agree on how much I hate this. Like hearing from people and seeing like people that do this being like, well, I guess it's Georgia all over again. And you're like, Jesus Christ. It's two weeks. Why do we do this every year? Where we actually think that like it's good, like as if sports don't become unpredictable, despite the lack of parity part of it. But here we are now a month into it. And it feels it feels like I mean, you tell me at first I'm looking at all their tight ends and their formations and they can do all these different things and use Bowers all over the place. But are they lacking outside guys? Is it is it is it starting to show up now as teams change how they're defending them? Yes, because I don't think you can have and I think. Brock Bowers might be the most talented offensive player in the country. He's that good. He's that special. But I still don't think the the tight end can be by – like, just can't be your go-to guy. You have to have an alpha that can take some of that load off in addition to Brock Bowers. And then you become really dangerous. And I think the loss of Jermaine Burton going over to Alabama, like in losing George Pickens in the NFL, I think there is some issues there at receiver. And I also think Stetson Bennett hasn't played that great the last couple weeks. He's kind of sputtered. I think he needs to find who his guy's going to be. They were a 29-point favorite against Missouri, you know, and they were, the Kent State game never felt like they were going to lose. It was just like, ah, they'll wake up, they'll flip the switch, they'll be fine. Against Mizzou, they were in danger of losing that game. That was a pretty embarrassing performance. And I think we're going to learn a lot more about Georgia this week against Auburn, where again, they are a massive favorite. I actually like them in this game. I think they do kind of wake up and get back to what they're doing. But I think offensively, they've got to find somebody not named Brock Bowers and not a running back, somebody that'll step up 
I mean, are you really going to ask Lad McConkey to be your guy? Like that's going to be your threat. It's, it's somebody else has to evolve on that offense as a deep weapon for Stetson Bennett. Somebody that can kind of open up the field so Brock Bowers can open up things in the middle as well. Yeah, and I always kind of think I probably hold George's running backs to a different standard because there have been some stretches there where you're like, all right, this guy's an early pro and all these different things. I mean, I know McIntosh is a senior and maybe he's third on the depth chart there, but I thought McIntosh had a couple big runs there in that game that kind of changed things, his nastiness. Um, that was a tough, that was actually kind of a tough win for them. And it shouldn't be, if we're going to hold, if we're going to look at you after two weeks saying, oh, you're going to do all these things, like that game against Mizzou after the Kent State one shouldn't happen. I have no problem dropping them down. It could be completely wrong. You know what? They still might be better than Ohio State and Bama. We're going to find out. All right, uh, let's do the conference stuff here. You brought up a really great point. Here we are. I'm being nice to you. Uh, hey. When you're talking about the ACC, if you run through it, the quarterbacks, whether it's DJ, who I think we all collectively feel better about, we're still waiting for a longer-term version of the Notre Dame guy, which you know, is going on year three. I think your guy at Florida State is really impressive, Travis. Um, Leary at NC State. Um, you know, Van the Dyke. quarterback to watch is Drake May. Oh, well, I haven't got to Drake. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I mean, but there's Drake. I mean, even the kid at Syracuse has been pretty good. The UVA kid isn't even close to being the same statistically. But I think if you dig in there with the offensive line, that kid was awesome. Armstrong was last year. Um, and Hartman from Wake. You pointed it out. I thought you were being annoying. And then I was like, <laughs> nope, he's right. He's totally right because the depth of the quarterback talent, it's not the best conference. But that position, I think it is the best. I think so too. And and I think it's interesting that the two of the quarterbacks you mentioned are not playing as well as they did last year. And Devin Leary and Tyler Van Dyke at Miami. Now Armstrong Dyke, too. Armstrong yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even statistically Trent he was looked, awesome. Trent liked him a lot. So there you go. Yeah. He's a stud. He probably should have left. I mean, Robert and I, his coordinator, goes to Syracuse and look at what's happened to Garrett Schrader. He's he's flourishing in that system. I was a little bit curious if, if Brandon Armstrong was more of a product of the system. That's one of those, you know, up-tempo, stretch the field vertically, trust the weapons, and it schemes a lot of guys open. I think that's why you're seeing Syracuse have so much success now. But Devin Leary has kind of struggled. He has not been as solid as he was last year. And they should have lost to East Carolina the first game. He had like 200 yards passing. He didn't play great against Clemson. It was okay. Kept him, it was a close game. And then Tyler Van Dyke, he's probably the one I'm most concerned about. He was incredible last year. Everybody was talking about him as a potential, you know, top 10 pick in the draft. Then they turn over with Mario and they bring in Josh Gaddis, who I don't know. If there's something off there, and I know they've had some injuries with Restrepo being out at wide receiver, but I don't fit maybe a question mark. Mario getting involved with the offense, maybe a question mark, something to keep an eye on when he was benched against Middle Tennessee. I don't think that's a great look. And in today's environment, I think you do have to be concerned if you're a Miami fan that possibly transferring is on the table, especially considering he knows what he's capable of doing. And a lot of schools would line up and say, we saw what you did with your freshman year. It's it's an issue uh, at Miami, something to keep an eye on. But back to the quarterbacks in the ACC. I mean, it's Jordan Travis has been balling. He's made huge leaps. I thought he had a little bit of a setback uh, against Wake. Um, I, I, I setbacks are good. Like he's, I think he's the most improved player maybe in the conference. And I, I give a ton of credit to Mike Norvell and Alex Atkins, the offensive coordinator, for designing a system around him. But when you take away the run game, which I thought Wake did a pretty good job of doing, I think he's a little bit limited in the pass game. Like he's not going to be 
be a guy that's going to be able to throw it 40, 40, you know, 40 plus times and go toe to toe. And Sam Hartman to me is the best quarterback in the conference right now. Maybe Drake may, but Drake may still young. He still has a way to go. Um, but Sam Hartman, the way they run him, that system, it is wild. Uh, I mean, I don't really want, like it to be honest. I with can't you. stand I, it. I can't stand <laughs> so like he sits there, him and the running back, like stand next to each other and they go super slow and he rides them up to the line of scrimmage and he's actually reading the safety from the quarterback position while the ball's in the belly of the back. And most, most of the time you're like, what are they doing? Do they not know there's a, and, and to Hartman's credit, he like, it's, it's almost like you're daring the defense to say, go ahead. What do you get? Like you're saying, make your move. And you're like, no, you make the move. And it's kind of like this game of chicken. And he waits till the very last second. And so many times, the defense finally declares and they're like, all right, we're going to attack the run. And right when they're about to hit him in this tight window, he puts out these beautiful touch passes to a great group of wide receivers at Wake Forest. It is it is one of the most unique offenses I've seen. And I don't see anybody else run it the way they do. And maybe nobody else can because the way he runs it, he's he's a pretty special talent with what he can do. Yeah, Stanford will do some of that extended mesh stuff um, at times, but I don't know. Again, I, now that I'm thinking back to the times of watching them, they don't do it as consistently as they do. I mean, they sit there and hold it. And hold <laughs> it's it, wild. It. I, I don't know. I don't know that it's great for him as a quarterback developing, but it's super annoying to play. It's it yeah. is. It clearly it clearly works, and I do think he has a good array of throws in there. Okay, so if we were looking at the conferences, it's okay to say the SEC is the best. Are you, are you okay saying that today? Yeah, oh, but I, so <laughs> would you say they're not as strong as they've been? The last couple of years, I mean, LSU's down. A and M's a disaster, which I want to talk about. A and M's a disaster. Florida's a disaster. Kentucky's one of your stronger teams in the East. Just lost to Ole Miss. Ole Miss is up. Mississippi State's up. But like, I, I don't. I and I, I think they're a little more vulnerable than they have been in the last couple of years. Because I, I've been quieter about the SEC stuff. I mean, other than occasionally tweeting about it every once in a while. But like, just tip your cap to them. They're the best. I think they're more vulnerable. But like, who's who's going to be that conference? I think overall take, there's more parity in college football this year than we've seen in the last five. And I think the yeah. Pac-12 is back, which is great. And I'm you're starting to realize. I didn't realize this until I talked to some coaches. The impact that COVID had on the Pac-12 and teams that were kind of west, you know, of the Rocky Mountains. They lost a year of development. They lost a year of on-field work. I mean, I was talking to a coach. I covered a game at New Mexico. And they were one of the teams that had to leave New Mexico. They moved to Las Vegas. But he said the coaches were telling me when they were training in the weight room, they couldn't even spot each other. They had to have like six feet of distance. I mean, ridiculous stuff that was happening. That's actually was good because it puts you, it's, you're under pressure <laughs> right, to make pressure. sure you get that rep up. That's right. Yeah. Um, but like Washington only played four games. I mean, it. I really think it rocked the Pac-12. Now that we're further removed from that, I think you're seeing a lot of these teams kind of come back to the forefront, which I think is great for college football. And they still might beat each other up. And will USC or one of them remain, you know, UCLA? Yeah, one of them I do undefeated. I, maybe, maybe. But I also like, you need to be better for me to buy into this dip when everything preceding COVID also showed that you were behind everybody else. So I don't know if the Pac-12 like deserves any of the benefit of the doubt when I watch some of the games. Uh, but I, I don't, like my biggest thing with the SEC is, okay, fine. But like when you play, Arkansas or A&M and Mississippi and again on a Saturday like everybody else 
Like they may not be ranked. I just think it's tougher than some of the middling stuff. Like with the Big Ten this year, a conference that I kind of hold to a different standard because I think of like, wait, you may have like three real contenders at a playoff spot. Like that's, that's I think, a super important part of the evaluation. But then I look at the Big Ten West, which usually drives me fucking crazy every other year where I'm like, oh, so this one team's not going to play anybody out of conference again. They're not going to have to play anybody that's tough on the East. And then they're going to have this awesome record. And you're going to try to tell me that they're actually a playoff team when I've watched them probably play five or six times. And I'm like, that team isn't that good. Now, granted, it's early. The scheduling thing is sort of a mess. Northwestern's in first place and they're one and four. All right. You know, like that's that's the part of the Big Ten where there's this group of like Washington State goes to Wisconsin, beats them. Michigan State, we thought, wow, nice win for Washington. And then we're like, oh, my God, Michigan State's a mess. And then it's like, no, Minnesota's the team you need to pay attention to. And I know Purdue's like very competitive and all. It just the first month plus for the Big Ten has made me wonder where all that depth is, where I just don't think there's any comparison to that depth of, yes, maybe A&M. Um, again, I say disaster based on my expectations for him. A&M fans may say like whatever. I still think A&M's like a tougher out. I still think LSU, despite the quarterback play, which I'm not a huge fan of at this point, is a tougher out than some of these Big Ten teams that I've I've talked about here. And that's why you know I'm still looking at it saying you can frame it however you want. There's still a gap. There's still a gap for me. And it's because I have certain years um, – where it's almost like my own Tua thing. Well, like I thought Tua was going to be pretty good as a pro, so I'm going to judge him differently. I keep waiting for the Big Ten to kind of surpass the SEC at some point, and so I'm a little harsher with them because my expectations are higher. It's like a student that gets good grades or a child that gets good grades as opposed to your other kid that smokes cigarettes out back at 14 years old. You're like, I'm not going to worry about him as much. I think what you said there is probably the most accurate thing you've said is that <laughs> behind the SEC, it's kind of wide open. I mean, look at look at the depth of the Big Twelve. There's not much difference. West Virginia, I maybe think, that look, team is I think, out. I know, but I actually think like West Virginia still like that's not a walkover team right. at all, as we've seen a couple times this year, despite the last weekend. I think the Big Twelve can make an argument as the second best conference in the country. So go ahead. Sorry. From a depth standpoint, but what might kill them is what killed the Pac-12 for years is what if they beat each other up? Like I don't. I like Spencer Sanders. I like Mike Gundy's squad. I just don't know if they're that team that's going to be able to, you know, maybe they're one loss at the end of the year. But I think the Big 12, uh, the winner is probably going to have two losses. I think you're probably looking at a 10-2, and two, you know, team meeting an 11-1 team, and maybe the 10-2 and two team wins the conference, and then they're left out because they have two losses. Um, but I do think that's that's another kind of interesting angle to the way things could play out. I know I've said this for a, a couple of years now. One of these years, it will happen. I do think you'll see a two-loss team that will make the playoff. You know, a two-loss conference champion that I think would be deserving for it. Because I think the Big 12 is going to beat itself up. I think the Pac-12 is going to beat itself up. And there's a scenario. I mean, do, like, do you honestly think that you would put... Because there's a scenario you could have two Big 10 teams and two SEC teams. And maybe that's the most likely scenario as things are kind of unfolding. Because you could see Georgia-Bama undefeated in the SEC championship game, Georgia's schedule is an absolute cakewalk to get there. Alabama has some more hiccups potentially, but they've gotten through some of their toughest opponents. And then Michigan, their opponent, maybe Penn State throws a wrench in that. But I think Michigan has a great chance to be undefeated when they go to Columbus. And then, you know, could you see a, a, a scenario where you've got Michigan, Ohio State, Bama, and Georgia in the championship, in the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, look, if Bama were undefeated and you get undefeated 12-0 and through the SEC West, uh, I think that's the toughest division to stay clean through. And, you know, to Bama's credit, like Ohio State, 
um, Oklahoma, you, you know, like I always have a ton of respect for the big time programs that find a way to challenge themselves all the time. And there are a bunch all over the country. Um, so that's why I think when somebody be like, oh, this conference doesn't play anybody at this conference. No, it's program. It's program specific. There's certain programs that just will not challenge themselves because they feel like that gives them a the better chance. Um, and I respect the ones that at least just one non-conference, it's somewhat challenging. And sometimes it doesn't even work out with how far you schedule these things out. I was with you under the old regime. Like there's still, when you only have a few years, seven, eight years of data, like think if you had 50 years of a 14 playoff, how often things like, I, I never wanted to hear the argument of, well, this hasn't happened before or last time this happened. It's like, well, did last time this happened, what else was around it? Like that's, <laughs> that's what you have to compare. You can't just compare here's the resume, here's the loss and whatever. Okay, but what else was around it to prevent it or to make that thing happen? And that's where it gets a little bit more complicated. But with the expanded version of it, well, of course you're going to have two lost champs. And if Bama were to lose to Georgia in the SEC title game and then both still get into the playoffs, I'd have to know what the rest is. If USC's clean and Clemson's clean, well, no, it's not going to happen because whoever wins the Big Ten is deserving. But that's where I don't, I don't trust USC yet to go undefeated. Do you? Like they look no. better than I thought. I thought they were going to be a nine-win team. They are looking way better than that. And it, but they, I still think they have flaws on the defensive side of the ball. I still think the offense is incredibly talented. But I think there could be a hiccup in there. I mean, Oregon State did a pretty good job holding them to seventeen points. Like I, I wonder if there's another potential, you know, hiccup in there where they could still be. I just look at the teams that possibly could be flawed and get a loss. And I think most like the more likely scenario, the teams I trust. They're kind of the same ones that are there, and it's Michigan, Ohio. Now, here's the thing that I hope happens if it does get to that. I mean, how many times have we heard, well, the committee wants to encourage strong scheduling? Michigan's schedule is a joke. You know, their non-conference should be held against them. I don't know if it will, and because they ran through it, they did exactly what they were supposed to. They, them and Ohio State, both eight home games now, the conference games, you know, I mean, that happens every other year in the Big Ten. You get five home ones. But the three conference, uh, out-of-conference games, which were really maybe the easiest non-conference of anybody in the country, that could be a potential problem for Michigan if they're undefeated, lose to Ohio State. Maybe it's not as close. You know, maybe it's... Uh, that That could be a problem for Michigan if they're in this team with one loss. You know, if it's, if it's Michigan, undefeated, you know, uh, with a loss to Ohio State, not the conference championship game, Bama or Georgia undefeated, but they lost in the cha SEC championship game and there's somebody else that's a lock to get in, then that's when I think it kills Michigan. And I think last year's result in the playoff would absolutely impact them. And I'd probably be okay with them remembering what took place at the Orange Bowl. UCLA, very excited about that Washington win, but Bowling Green, Alabama State, South Alabama, as I was Brutal. trying to think off the top of my head. But, you know, the Pac-12 used to be able to argue, hey, we're the only ones doing this nine times a season. And now you hear it all the time with the Big Ten fans that never brought it up before, never said like, that's what always drives me crazy about the nine game thing now. It's like you guys never cared, never would defend a Pac-12 school back in the day. And now you want to. Now I'm just going down my own little road. I guess I just got real disappointed with the Big Ten this past weekend. Yeah, it's been ugly. That, yeah. The Big yeah, Ten West I, is atrocious. It's bad. It's as bad as it's been. And I think I think Wisconsin being as bad as they have been and obviously getting rid of Paul Chris because you've kind of seen this coming. I think that was a significant blow. Um, Northwestern's not a team that can carry the torch. I'm bummed for Scott Frost. I thought Nebraska was going to be more competitive this year. 
Iowa's offense is atrocious. I mean, it's well-documented how bad it is. I think they're, they might not be last, but they're 129th, 130. I think they moved up one spot. But there's just, is, is it going to be Brett Bielema's squad that kind of comes, you know, to fruition here and keeps this ball rolling as a physical team? But any one of those, this is where, you know, I think the ACC is looking at this situation too, because I think the best teams are in the Atlantic, not the coastal. This is when your best foot forward would be to do away with the divisions and have their two best teams play. I think it could hurt the Big Ten because maybe there would have been an opportunity for two teams in the playoff if you had had them play each other like you're going to get most likely in the SEC with Georgia and Bama playing against each other. What do you think's going on with AM? Um, I think there's a couple things. I do think the criticism of Jimbo's system is warranted. Um, he's got a more antiquated style that he's ran for a long time and he's had some success with it. But if you do take away the years with Jameis Winston, the offensive numbers are pretty average. Um, he really hasn't had like too many receivers come through his system that have really flourished. It's been more of a, a traditional old school play action pass. You know, we're not going to go fast. We're not going to worry about the chunk plays. And I think that's starting to catch up to him, especially since he hasn't had a quarterback like Jameis Winston that's been, you know, in any part of his program. I also think, too, you got to be careful when you try to build culture by I want to say that I would be careful like buying players and selling NFL because I saw that firsthand at Florida State I mean he sold I'm going to get you to the NFL I'm going to get to the NFL I'm going to get to the NFL um, and clearly now they're having so much success in the recruiting trail that I think you sometimes lose sight of what the task at hand is and once and that should be winning a championship, right? That's what Texas A&M brought him in there for. That's what we're supposed to play for. But I think that's becoming more challenging than ever, not only in, in College Station, but around the country. And I think once you lose that game or games, you see a program that kind of, you see a team that kind of starts crumbling really fast. I thought you saw it. And it's so similar with Florida, with Dan Mullen. I mean, remember they felt like they arrived because they lost to Alabama by two. They still lost Alabama. Then they lost another game and the team packed it in. And like there was a culture problem. Like they were just, they were, it was championship or bust. And Dan Mullen even sent that message in the Sugar Bowl, I think it was against, was it Sugar Bowl or Cotton Bowl against Oklahoma? And he's like, this isn't even a real game for us. You know, we play for championships. And you throw in the towel on the season, it's either championship or bust. And uh, there's, there's something going on that's just a little bit off in Texas A&M. The expectations are off the charts. There's talent there. He's going to get a pass because there's that young talent of this recruiting class. But you got to be careful you don't lose it. You know, and and when they lost Anaya Smith, and it was really A-Chain or Anaya Smith were the only two offensive weapons and you lose one of them and it makes them really pedestrian on offense. Yeah, both those guys are studs. And, you know, there's a lot of playmakers that we all get excited about with on Saturday, but A-Chain and Smith were like another level. Like if you were going to talk like top tier playmaking, get the ball in their hands and and turn turn a game around. Um, I, I love both those players and Smith being out. You knew when that injury happened, you were like, all right, he's fucked. Uh, the Jimbo thing, you could also just say, hey, you know what? If you don't figure it out a quarterback, you're stuck like a lot of other programs are. And I like Max Johnson. You know, I thought he was the best of the LSU quarterbacks. I like his toughness, get a couple nice wins on the resume, but it's still not a completed deal. And then he gets hurt again. Haynes King comes back in and Haynes lost his job pretty quickly because I was watching him going, this isn't going to work. This isn't going to mm -hmm. work. And maybe I like Max more 
because of the highs. Uh, but still, that was that was somewhat of an issue. The selling of the NFL thing, you might be right. But I also wonder, just to be totally fair, if it's playing the results a little bit, because I remember the first time I visited Tuscaloosa right after Saban had gotten it going and somebody walked me around the facility and they were telling me Saban story after Saban story. When you when I first started realizing, like, Jesus, this guy's another level. You know, I saw these former players in Alabama gear, um, but they were they were being like just pictures hanging around the facility. And it was anyone who had just left Bama. And the guy was like, we took down. Like Sean Alexander was up here. We're like, take it down. Nobody knows who he is. <laughs> you know? And you're like, what? And you go, no, no, no. Take like anybody that's been out of the program for over 10 years. When we have recruits coming through, they don't even know who these guys are. So put up like the, the last first round pick that we just had, because these kids will know they'll be more aware. They're going to be in tune with that kind of stuff. Like all of these things, no stone unturned. And that's why I do think there's other Saban disciples that sell that NFL thing so hard because Saban actually pushed it, but he always wanted to make it the most up-to-date that he ever could to make sure the younger kids didn't have to like get a, I, get but, a Yeah, but I think you can, you can, but you can sell NFL. I mean, every kid that goes to any college thinks he's playing in the NFL. I well, mean, LSU, and, when you come out and, of the tunnel, all it is right. is the first thing you see, not the sort of the field, but like when you come out of the facility across the street, go ahead. But I, I think at Alabama, you have a very unique culture that is passed on from like generation to generation, like classes that come through there, that the message is, if you buy in to the, the process and the work that you got to put in, then you'll get the success and you'll get the NFL, but you got to buy into the process. And I don't know for whatever reason, if they're buying into the process there's a little bit of entitlement coming in because of some of the recruits that are coming in there that, oh, we just have to show up and go through the work. And there's not a more disciplined program than Bama at players buying in. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like they, they can it, get no, away I, with it. I totally get it because it's kind of like, oh, I want to create that. Well, you can't create it until you've done it. And then it's like, well, how do I do it if I haven't created it yet? And you're like, you just have to have it. You just have to have it that way. With, I think you know you're signing up for something a little bit different, which they certainly deserve because of who they've been throughout this run. Yep. Um, you met, you right. hit on a great point, though. And look, and it's something that will always happen if you miss on a quarterback, especially if it's a four or five or five star. From you know, if it's a five star because it scares off other recruits, you don't have much depth. If you miss on that, it will get you fired. Now, Jimbo's not getting fired, but clearly missed on Haynes King, who was a pretty high recruit. It wasn't working. Max Johnson is a, I like Max a lot. You know, I know his dad, obviously Brad uh, from Florida State, but he's more of a stable presence in there than a dynamic playmaker. And look at um, Graham Mertz at Wisconsin was the highest rated recruit they had had in the history of the program, but he's not that good. It cost Paul Chris the job and Mac Brown at North Carolina, uh, at Texas the first time around after national years. championships, right. he missed, he misses on, you know, Garrett Gilbert, whoever it was. You know, it just, it happens all over the place. If you miss on a quarterback, it will cost you your job or at least a few losing seasons. That's why I always wonder if Ohio State is better positioned because they end up just offering all of them and they'll, yeah. they won't go like, oh, let's miss a cycle here because we just brought in the big time guy. And I'd have to be more locked into the recruiting thing. But again, I, I've referenced this one other time on the podcast. There was a local guy who was all over Ohio State and he's terrific with it. And he was basically like talking today and the philosophy of the coaching staff is like, we just bring in as many top guys as we can and we'll offer right up into the last day somebody that somebody else, like we'll just go for it and then we'll sort them out once they get here, which was, you know, whether it was going all the way back to Burrow 
which ended up working out. But it worked out for Burrow to be somewhere else. You know, Joe wasn't even that guy that his first year at LSU until he got with, with, with Joe Brady. So, you know, it's not all on Ohio State that they lost him, but they had yours. And then, you know, like, okay, fine. We're not going to really need you because we got Stroud. And so I wonder how much more aggressive schools should just be about saying we're going to offer everybody. But then I wonder geographically if Ohio State's just positioned a little bit better because there's a little less competition where if there's a kid that's from that footprint that may be willing to, you know, again, I'm kind of talking to my ass here a little bit, just theorizing on this stuff. But no, you are 100% right, though. You've got to try. And I think in today's... I just offer everybody you know, and be like, look, if you don't like it, you can leave and we'll help you leave. Last year, when they had Quinn Ewers, they had Jack Miller, they had CJ Stroud, and they had Kyle McCord, who's the backup now. Now, two of Didn't them Did they offer gone. the Penn State kid, too, Drew? Yeah, I think so. But they <laughs> yeah. had four quarterbacks. Three of them were five stars, and the other was a four-star. And they had four of them on their roster all last year. And then, like you said, they're like, hey, come here. If it works out, great. If not, good luck somewhere else. We'll, you know, you'll, you'll pick up a system. We'll develop you, and you go somewhere else. No hard feelings. And I think it's a plan that's worked out really well. It is hard to get those players to buy into that. And I think Texas is trying to do that with Arch Manning coming in next year. And you know, they, they'll have a pretty nice stable of quarterbacks. Quinn Ewers next year's Arch Manning can wait around. I'm sure they'll probably try to go after another one. Now, Arch Manning's a name that might hold hold some guys at bay. <laughs> like, I'm not waiting around too long, like <laughs> I, a week. I don't know how that competition's going to go. But yeah, I think your best chance is to try to load up as many as you can. Okay, before we let you go, I'm putting you on the spot, but I'm also putting myself on the spot because uh, I want to I want to go back to the old school here. Let's have a draft. Let's try to go through uh, from this point on draft our playoff final four. So we can't take the same teams. You'll get the first pick. We'll go eight picks okay. here, four each, and see uh, see how accurate we are with a month month plus of uh, evidence here. Okay, I get number one. I'll take Ohio State. Okay. All right, snake draft. So I get the next two. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. I wanted to do it <laughs> now where I, I messed the rules up <laughs> why all of our games stopped happening. Okay. Ah, uh, shit. Every, whoever went first is going to feel like they crushed this, but that's all right. I will. I mean, I'm really going to pass on Bama. Really? Uh, no, I'm, I'm just saying it out loud. <laughs> I'll take Bama. I'll take Clemson. Oh, okay. Great, because I almost took Georgia. I will take Georgia now. I'll take... I'll take Michigan. Good. I'll take SC. Now we're getting in some flyers, right? I'll go. This is where we're really going to put Danny's Twitter persona to the test. Does he take Oklahoma State over Tennessee and Ole Miss? <laughs> I'll take. Uh, it's not going to be Ole Miss because they got to go through Bama. Tennessee. I like Tennessee a lot. We're about to find out a lot more about them over the next two weeks. They go to LSU, Bama. I'll take Oklahoma State. You got to go path. You got to go who's going to get there. I'll take Oklahoma State. Yeah, the Big 12, I remember Brad Edwards teaching me this. It's like if you look at how the Big 12 schedules things, they'll kind of know who they think is going to be. Like they'll schedule it so that a bunch of their teams will have higher ranking because they started cleaner. And then at the end, strategically, it looks like you're beating better teams because of the ranking part of it. It's actually, 
You'd have to have Brad give a dissertation on it. Maybe we'll have him <laughs> on again for that. All right, do I go wild card here, even though I have a Pac-12 school already? So I probably don't want to do that. Oklahoma State, like the pick. Penn State out there flirting. I don't have a, I don't have a Big Ten pick. Um, the problem is you got Penn, Penn State's. That stretch is going to be tough. At Michigan, Minnesota, Ohio State. Do go to Bloomington this year, just in case anybody was wondering. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think. I'm not picking a third SEC school. This is stupid. No, Give you me... love the SEC. Come on. No, go ahead. Take no. LSU. It's your squad. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good loss, though, to a Florida it State is. team. <laughs> is that what pissed you off? Oh, that was LSU great. Was when they were ahead of him, the AP? Oh, my God. No, well, I... I don't even. That, look, I do you're not doing these blind the resumes. You're doing these blind resumes now, and I just assume whatever it is, it's all SEC based. <laughs> They're in the back. I had four SEC teams in my top twelve. The back end of the is a joke. There's just people plugging in SEC teams at the back end of that. It's not even. It's ridiculous. So you think like Mississippi State? Do you think that many teams would put forty on A and M? Um, no, but Mississippi State's a unique offense. Oh, okay. I think Rodgers is a good quarterback. Like that. Oh, he's a great quarterback. He's that's awesome. like back to my original point where I think those random Saturdays with some of those SEC West teams, I just think it's tougher. I'm I was sorry. told, um, I was told the air raid would never work in the SEC. You know, those physical defensive fronts. 2009, so maybe somebody said that. Uh, <laughs> Kansas still available. All right, take a pick, Rosillo. This is brutal. Am I really going to take Penn State? Feels Thinking it to do it. Uh, there's a team right. I'm nervous you're going to take really <laughs> what TCU <laughs> no although I like Sonny Dykes he's done a good job alright go ahead I'm not going to take him I don't think it's who do you think I was going to take who do you got I'll take Penn State alright I'll take I, Utah I think I Utah is a team people are just sleeping on oh wait They're you want to keep get- going yeah. Oh, that was eight. That's it. Let's go. Yeah, let's go it. all the way to twelve. Damn it! All right. That's eight. I wasn't want, writing them down. You were. All right. Wait. Do you want two bonus to the the Danny Cannell six team playoff where everybody <laughs> yeah. gets treated fairly, including yeah. the, the the group of fives? No. I lost you have track. to pick. You have to pick a group of five. Though. <laughs> That's right. All right. That'll let's do go. it. So you go to Ohio State, Clemson, Michigan, Oklahoma State. And I've got Bama, Georgia, USC, and Penn State. I don't like that last pick, but I also didn't want to pick Tennessee as my third. As my third Utah. At least you didn't get Utah. Get them our next draft. We'll have to do this again, see if any of these are still alive. Can I leave you with two things? Please. You know I don't think Tua sucks, right? (laughs) Wait, do I? You sent a tweet. So you sent a tweet about Tua after he beat the Ravens and came back. And do you remember... I sent a very sarcastic tweet because you put up his numbers and you're like, not bad for a backup quarterback. Tua comes back. And I tw- I responded to your tweet. I said, yeah, but everything was underthrown because that's Tua's knock, right? The arm strength. And you retweeted it to everyone and said, oh, no, like Canel, like here's a Canel take. Like that was a serious take. I, I thought you were I serious, was actually. crushed. No. Yeah. I thought he threw like five touchdown passes and four in a yard. He was well, the throw to Hill was underthrown. It was, but (laughs) that was not the time to crush Tua. And then Tua non is a very real thing. Like if you you'd say anything bad about Tua, they will come after you. So that was a fun couple days just dealing with some Tua. 
um, you know, backers that they were, were too busy with me. So I don't yeah. know. I don't know how much you got from that. But yeah, I did. I thought you were just knocking the SEC quarterback. And because no. that deep ball was underthrown, I was like, oh, my <laughs> was, God, he's doing this I now. Said everything was underthrown. I was being yeah. very sarcastic, almost like the worst dude ever. That's what I was trying to be. And uh, nobody got the joke. They just thought I was being a, like we haven't I done was getting slaughtered. I was just getting crushed. <laughs> you know what? We need to do worst dude ever the next time you come uh, on. We'll bring it back. Right, that was a thing, good one. Okay. Yeah. It was. One. Last thing. You know, you see the war on football's back, right? I did see it's, that. It's back with a vengeance, too. Like they're coming. It was like the Cold War for the last five years. You didn't hear anything. And all of a sudden, with two is hit on Thursday night. My goodness, they're back. How uh, who can be more outraged over the hit is the competition that's out there in the war on football. This is your time to shine, man. I, no, I I've shut down the war on football. I gave up. Um, you guys go ahead. You guys can try to shut it down. You can say all these things. Just go ahead. I'll sit back and we'll talk our top twelve and we'll go ahead. The best was team. when you blamed the liberal media while we were at ESPN. <laughs> and I don't know that we had the full understanding of what that Ooh. would would mean. And now removed we at, with more information, you're like, oh, my God, you said that and thought you were still going to work there. <laughs> and then you like threw gasoline on the fire and had a liberal media drop every time we talked about <laughs> it just to remind people in case they didn't know, like just to remind <laughs> them, give them a little extra see, added. What was what was unintentionally funny about that now in retrospect is that it actually made people really mad that we didn't even realize we're mad about it and it was like when we played one trump piece of audio because we were like this guy's out of control listen to how crazy this soundbite is and then there was a meeting about it where it was like what's up with these guys they have desantis tattoos <laughs> and then we were like no that wasn't that and it was like no no they're promoting Trump. And it was like, no, I'm like, that's not even close to what we were doing. Although maybe people thought Mass you were more email. than I was. Well, but yeah. <laughs> well, when I got the hat that said, make radio great again, and I think a yeah. lot of people just walking in the hallways, look up and they don't really read the hat. They're probably like, they thought I was MAGA, like South Florida chapter coming to Connecticut. Well, I would say <laughs> that you've maybe done a, a terrible job of disguising where some of the allegiances are. And then I don't know. The thing is, that's just weird is that if I were working there, we would not have a liberal media drop in 2022. And no. we were doing it because we were making fun of you for catching so much shit during the war of football, where was it Christine Brennan that like just basically front page of USA Today Sports just tore into you as like some Neanderthal? It was either her or is it Sally Jenkins? Jenkins? Yeah, it was either one of the two. It might have been Christine Brown. I forget who it was. But yeah, they torched me as a Neanderthal who didn't care. Then there was the uh, some politician like wrote a letter to John Skipper saying, how could this guy work at the company more? It was bad. It was ugly. It's Danny Cannell. Talk to you again soon, man. You got it. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. 
My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side by side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. It's time for this week's Worst Take, uh, where we peruse the opinion people out there and come up with what we think potentially be the worst. The podium right now is, Surdy, if you can remind us here. Still Gilbert Arenas, number one. Bart Scott on the Chiefs, nobody's scared of them. And Patrick Mahomes, number two. And then Charles James entered the podium last week with the Daniel Jones is basically Josh Allen without, what, an offensive line? Yeah. Or something like that. Just right. the O-line. That's the only difference. <laughs> yeah. Right. Some people were definitely upset that we took Perks, Westbrook, um, and, and Beverly, best defensive backcourt. We might have gotten too caught up in the moment, but I also think that there's going to be some Westbrook stuff that I think there's that Westbrook gift is still not fully unwrapped um i don't know if you saw some of the cuts that were out there on social media last night at westbrook fucking up defensively it's not great yeah i mean i just it's why do people keep making this mistake that like oh no this new coach everything is going to happen i swear to god if you gave westbrook the square peg and round hole thing he would come back a day later and he'd be like he'd be like dude i don't think it's going to work and he'd it's just impossible be like, he would just stick his chest out and be like get out of here he'd be like all right see you tomorrow man Yo, he so, would do it for like 24 straight hours. Like he would work hard I mean. at it. Yeah, yeah. But he but he would not succeed. <laughs> yeah. Right. And you would say, hey, I don't think this is going to work. And he'd be like, get the fuck out of here. Just Nobody works harder than me. Just impossible. Okay. Um, although, I mean, some people are saying, did, did we jump the gun on the Josh Allen, Daniel Jones thing? Two rushing touchdowns, another win. They're three and one. <laughs> he got hurt. But, you know, people are saying, people are talking about it. That would be surprising to me. Year four, he turned into Josh Allen. <laughs> that would, I would, I would gladly go, yep. Didn't have that one. Yeah, it's our bad. If that's what happens. And I, you know, I could do my whole, guess what the team did about guys you liked or didn't like. But when a team says, nah, we don't need the option. We're not going to pick up the option. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. That's a lot. We will see. We will see. Uh, What do you got, Kyle, for your nomination this week? I mean, I just didn't get enough help from from my crowdsourcing. And I... I tried to say I wasn't going to go with Emmanuel Acho, but basically we just had to look him up and just on the fly get something. So, you know, do do better because you're getting Acho tweets now. Uh, so he said um, on October 2nd, Mike Evans, first ballot Hall of Famer. If not for Brady bringing attention to the Bucks, Evans would have gone the majority of his career underappreciated. So Mike Evans, first ballot Hall of Famer. I don't know if it knocks anyone off, but this is this is what I had to get on the fly. So. Do better. Well, wait, no, I, I think the bigger thing is to act like we didn't all love Mike Evans. <laughs> yeah, Brady. The entire time. <laughs> Two part tweet. Yeah. Two part. People are like, who's this Evans guy last year, two years ago? <laughs> I, I like this one only because there have been seven first ballot Hall of Famers in the history of the NFL. And has Mike <laughs> Evans ever been the best receiver in the league ever, ever throughout his whole career? I like Mike Evans, but like, has he been a, has he been a top three receiver? Maybe. Never been the best. So, who knows? 
Yeah, this is like a happy meal of take because you were like, oh, there's something else in there too. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, there will be yeah, better acho uh, takes too. Like that's you know that's a lukewarm. Still. Yeah, that's like an appetizer. So I don't even <laughs> that's not going to make the podium, but I think it's warming us up. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you there. I'm going to nominate uh, myself for thinking that stupid fucking Patrick Mahomes thing <laughs> was a columnist in a local newspaper. That's totally my fuck up. I hate doing stuff like that. Can happen from time to time. Um, and the way it was sent to me. By a couple people, I was like, oh, wow, this is weird. And then I just perused it getting ready for Monday's show. I threw it in. Um, although I do think there's some criticism of, of him that are still weird to me. Uh, but I used it as a bad example and thought it was a columnist. And, um, you know, that's me. Iron sharpens iron. I saw, I mean, it, it was a dirty move by, was it was the Kansas City Star, whatever the paper was. It was a dirty move. The tweet was super lame. It was basically acting like it was like an opinion article. And it was a, it was like a couple yeah, sentences well, from some random guy in the middle of Missouri. So nobody- This is my first show, so I need to do better. <laughs> hey, by the way, are you in a wheelbarrow right now broadcasting? Come, What's going on? We you just, got the wrong headphone lost. in. That's why. Oh, is uh, that why? Sorry, guys. Here, let me pop this one on. We're back. Okay. You like the one headphone yeah. look, huh? I just like to be able to hear. I don't like to be in the, you know, I like okay. to be able to hear the surroundings. You know, a lot of backup dogs. singers we, do that. Get dogs breaking barking. in. Yeah. Yeah. I want to hear the applause in the background. Um, okay. I think Sarudi's here has a real chance. And I don't know that it's going to be popular <laughs> enough to, to be recognized for the absolute bullshit this is. So go ahead. I, I, I might, we might have to make a change. Yeah. Go ahead. This, this pissed me off so much. <laughs> I mean, I, I, we, I know I'm a homer for the magic. We know yeah, I'm but a you homer don't get mad. You don't get Franz mad about Wagner. Stuff. But and I and I but but it's also a thing where like not only is that true, but I also like the point of this tweet and this article is just to get people like me pissed off. It's just let's throw a bunch of names out there. Some are going to be ridiculous and people are going to tweet about it. And that's how we get engagement. And that's what I, I'm, I acknowledge that I'm falling for the trap here. But Bleacher Report came out with a list. Uh, what was this? It was the end of last week. I think Thursday of last week of the basically like the next, the, the, the breakout candidates for this upcoming NBA season. Let me just read this list to you really quickly. Because it's because it's just it's all over the place. And it doesn't make any sense. Number one, Cade Cunningham. All right, fine. I, I love Cade. You, you and I both love Cade um, since day one. So that's fine. But number two is Tyrese Halliburton. H- Halliburton's like already good. I think everybody already knows Halliburton's really good. And yeah, he's probably, his numbers are going to be better because his team is awful. And they might be the worst team in the league this year. But like, okay, that's kind of a weird one to say that he's going to break out this season. All right, but but I'll allow it. Jalen Green, three. It's fine. This is where it gets insane. Lori Markinen is four. Lori Markinen. Yeah, I mean, he's already having an opportunity to be next. And like, even if he puts up good stats in Utah, I don't. they don't count. I don't care. They don't count. We, I know who Laurie Markkinen is. That's a, it's going to be a big, like a bad team, good stats guy. I, that's not that's not a breakout candidate for me. We know who Laurie Markkinen is. He's going is. into his sixth year. Yeah, I, I just I, like at what point is like the line like we would draw a line for like a third or fourth year. You're not going to be a breakout candidate. I'll finish out the list. Michael Porter Jr.'s five. I mean, it's just it's whether or not he stays healthy or not. I guess I don't I don't like that one either. Uh, Anthony Simons is a good one. Devin Vassell, uh, Jalen Smith, um, James Wiseman, and then Poku is ten. But it's really about like who's not on this list. Like, so you didn't put a guy like Scotty Barnes on this list. You didn't put the guy that I said, Franz Wagner, on this list who tore up Eurobasket and is literally, I think, the prime breakout candidate for this year. And then, you know, Mosley's also not on the list as well. Like, I, did he break out last year? I guess you can kind of Mobley? get away with like he had a good year last year. So maybe he's not eligible. But uh, Barnes and Franz not being on this list. I just I don't understand. Like, this list was complete clickbait and I'm falling for the trap here, guys. But like, it just it made me irrationally mad. 
Yeah, you still sound mad about it. Um, but it's the bad list. I mean, the fact that you could have Poku and Simons, who you know, again, I like Simons. I think I think it's pretty clear. Uh, you got to have Markkinen. You have him on the. Is this guy ever going to be near next in year six list? That's just so weird that Markkinen would be on it. Uh, it but it, yeah, it's bad yeah. list. Bad list. Bad job. I. I don't quite think it, it reaches the level, though. Like I just, I think we have to take into account, account the clickbaity nature of it. I don't, I don't vote it in the podium. Do you guys? I would. I'd vote it third over the Charles James, Daniel Jones. Thing, okay. Because now I'm hedging. <laughs> what the? You fuck, just don't man. like that one. <laughs> Marketing it upsets me more than Franz not even being on it. To be honest with you. But... <laughs> so we're back to Kyle. one football. No, I mean I wasn't going to change. There was no anything. editor that went, "Hey, why are you putting Marketing on there fourth? Oh, uh, I think they were like, "Leave it." Leave it engagement <laughs> clicks. No, no press. Yeah, but the thing press. is, those lists, even when they're <laughs> attempted to be done right, all get clicks. And then, you know, the those those aggregators of NBA content, those different sites that have all of these followers. And I just I'll never believe why there's 40,000 people that like one of their dumb fucking tweets where it's like, hey, so and so had this list. Here it is on our feed. <laughs> It's like, you know, and then I'll be like featured on ESPN. Yeah. Fox Sports, ESPN. No, yeah. yeah. CNN. Yep. You're like, no, cool. not really. Not really featured. Maybe somebody read a tweet. <sighs> All, All right. right. So, so yes, Kyle. No? Yeah. Um, I, no, I think I was going to have everything stay where it was, but um, okay. You win. Right. That's a tiebreaker. Yeah. He doesn't oh, want I'm basketball like the, on here. I'm like the stubborn, the stubborn jury member who's dragging this thing out for like uh, three more weeks till we get a mistrial. I'm just not. I just wanted to go home. (laughs) 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 Do you think he did it? Yeah. Just wanted to go home. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to go home. Okay. That's worth stake. You want details? Fine. I drive a Ferrari. 355 Cabriolet. What's up? I have a ridiculous house in the South Fork. I have every toy you can possibly imagine. And best of all, kids, I am liquid. So now you know what's possible. Let me tell you what's required. Taking a look at some of the community emails here before we get to life advice, lifeadvicerr at gmail.com. A couple things. One, one is uh, somebody wanted to ask about, was just, it was just a follow-up to Saruti's buddy. How long was your buddy with you, Saruti, that wasn't going to school, living in your dorm room? Um, like about a month, maybe a little over a month. It's kind of incredible. I think I've been thinking about it a lot the last couple of days. Uh, so somebody wanted to let us know it wasn't that weird. Uh, legit 5'11", 246, built like a bag of milk. A you bag don't see, of milk? Yeah, you don't okay. see milk served by the bag after no. a certain age. Not to say that it doesn't still exist, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Just, you get to a certain age and you, you don't have access to milk bags. Uh, much like Saruti's boy, I also crashed in my best friend's dorm at Seton Hall. We were both freshmen and I was attending Ocean County College, about an hour south, not to brag. <laughs> really, okay. really good line. Uh, Seton Hall started a week before OCC. So after helping him move in, I ended up staying to party. Next thing I know, I've been there six days, even started to pledge a fraternity. <laughs> I was written up for underage <laughs> drinking twice that week. It was eventually banned from Boland Hall, uh, which is the freshman dorm. By Sunday night, I had to leave to start at OCC the next day. When I returned the following weekend to party, some of the brothers at the frat were confused as to why I'd stopped pledging. It was incredible explaining that I didn't even go here. Doesn't even go here. Yeah. I don't even um, go here. 
Yeah, I don't even work here. So side note, I'm in construction. I don't know if you want, I guess this doesn't matter, but he said the first the project, his first day with a new company was working on Bowling Hall. Thought for sure my name would show up on the band list uh, when he went to get his ID badge. Got lucky. Also go Celtics. I love the idea of pledging and then having the guys be like, you're really slacking on this. Be like, I, I don't even go here. dude. <laughs> yeah. Gotta check you your betting list. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Alpha pie. Again, Kyle, your, your fraternity was on campus, right? It was the first year of it. So like they were like setting it up on campus. They were like, you guys can be the first ones. But it's like before we get set up, they were like, you know, I don't know. Just act like it. <laughs> I don't know. We uh, There was like no house or anything. And it wasn't on. I don't know what it was. It was basically like uh, a shell company of a fraternity. I don't know what it was. <laughs> yeah. It was it yeah. was trying okay, to but make it, was, it happen. It, it wasn't another school, right, that you were attending. Correct. But there was something different. Was it just strictly that it was Latino fraternity and they were like, you're good? Yeah, they were like, I guess there's nothing in here that says you can't be in here. I was like, okay. I mean, it's just all my friends are starting it. And they were like, you should do it. I was like, okay. All right. Okay. Uh, this is something else. I don't know if it's worth uh, bringing attention to it. But apparently there's just somebody who <laughs> is on Reddit attacking every topic as if they were me. <laughs> so... There have been a few suggestions, as Kyle has forwarded to me, that people keep asking if this is me on Reddit debating with strangers all the time. I can promise you, <laughs> I'm pretty sure the guys would back me up here, that in my free time, I would not spend it going on Reddit to argue with people that I don't <laughs> know about stuff. Um, I can confirm. I'm almost never on it. I, you know, I stopped paying attention to anything that anybody was saying about me after like my family was like, what the hell is this? Or what? And I just was like, look, I don't know what to tell you. Like you can look at it and be bothered and upset when something isn't, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, people are going to talk about people. And so, you know, again, I think there's some stuff every now and then that comes across. It's actually really funny. Um, I think there was a guy that was doing a Simmons thing and then he was even doing Simmons impersonations that somebody showed me and it was actually really fucking funny. At one point he, the, he was doing like a fake read for a hard something, a hard seltzer or something. And then he just went into bill voice. It was like seltzer. You have to, is Seltzer having a moment? And it was just <laughs> fucking hilarious. So like any, anything that I've used as a phrase, and again, you talk long enough, you're going to have some crutches. And I've certainly had my crutches, but Seltzer's I think the guy. Seltzer's Apex Mountain. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> Seltzer, double moment. But I, I could just, how about we just do this? It's not me. How about that? It's not you. And I can, I can confirm. I remember I sent you uh, like a link because I spend way too much time on Reddit. Um, although I, I don't really peruse like the Rosillo or Bill Simmons Reddit, but I do spend a lot of time on Reddit. There's a lot of good soccer content in there. But I did send you, I sent you something from one other show once. And I remember your response was, how do you read this? Because it is like kind of complicated if you look at it because there's just like the lines and you don't know who's responding to who. And if you're not used to it, you don't get it. So yeah. at that point, I was like, oh, Rosillo is never on Reddit then. There you go. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't figure it out. I was like, wait, do I stay on this thread? Whatever. There you go. Uh, mystery solved. Not a radical. Yeah. But not against it. Whatever. Uh, some people sent me some really funny stuff from it. So it's not me dumping on it. It's just me telling you like, you know, once I get done with this job, I, I work on the other job. Okay. All right. So let's get to, uh, I have another follow-up on the pedantic topic. Whatever. Who fucking cares? Let's just read life advice emails. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Free electrician is hitting on my girlfriend. 
195, 37 years old, garage gym owner, rogue monster cave. I guess I have that too. We call it the mass station over here. Uh, he throws in some bench and squat numbers, strong, 335, 435, deadlift, gave up maxing years ago. Max deadlift is, is nightmare fuel for me. Okay. Back in April, my girlfriend, uh, changed the name here, Kim, and I purchased a house in Connecticut. For context, we're both divorced. We're living on our own for quite some time before making the decision to purchase a, purchase a house together. We've decided not to remarry, and I think this comes into play later. Kim is an interior designer who now works for a small architecture firm and used to work for a small residential construction company. During her time at the small residential construction company, she made some great contacts with contractors uh, who we have used on our house, one of those being an electrician. He did a ton of work on her old house and never charged her, exclamation. So previous to this home purchase, this electrician was doing stuff for free. My guess is Kim is good looking. After the purchase, uh, we had plans to do a bunch, although everybody's good looking in their own way, right? Um, do a bunch of work on the house. We're both DIY people, her way more than me. However, the plans we have involve a lot of electrical work, which we can't do. Smart. Electrical work scares the shit out of me. I still don't even like yeah. when I have the stud detector and all that stuff. I almost still don't trust it, especially when I'm like, wait, that's definitely you're just tapping away and you're like, there's no stud there. And it says it is. I don't know what to fucking do. <laughs> I used to be a lot ballsier, just hammering away with the drill when I was younger. I was like, all right, we're well, here we go. I recently um, installed a light, uh, did some electrical work in the house. And I was so afraid that I shut off every single circuit breaker because I was afraid I had the wrong one. So I had no power in the entire house. And I was that's still the right terrified. way. Sort of to do it. <laughs> Headlamp just yeah, going. I cannot tell you my, my, pre-mental checklist when it comes to anything having to do with anything electrical where i'm at now compared to where i was i don't i don't even know why i have some of the tools i have because it was like you, you just you don't even trust anything anymore so all right moving on um so it's great this guy's doing it for free because most of us are bitches about it all right so uh anyway lucky enough for us her friend who is married has done all the work we've asked him to do in the new home I don't know how much all the work would have cost if we went in another direction, but he only charged us a thousand dollars. And that was after we pleaded with him to charge us. So he still wanted to do all this extra work for free. He includes the list here. The work is consisted of installing a car charger in the garage, connecting the new HVAC unit, rerouting switches, rerouting outlets, hanging a TV in our fireplace and connecting it to existing, existing switches, installing recessed lights, connecting our washer and dryer in the basement. We move the location of it. God. Uh, this also includes materials. This list is probably longer than that, but he spent a significant amount of time at the house doing this work. Okay. So he's basically doing it free again. This right. is a ton of shit to mm. be doing. It's like the for sales somebody. tax on what he would have charged you. Yeah, <laughs> Sounds like serious. a fair trade. Right. And, and the materials. I mean, give me a break. Moving a washer dryer, like a couple of these things would have cost more than $1,000 on their own. I'm not one to go to my girlfriend's phone or even ask who she's texting, but she's been complaining a lot about him lately. and She never has in the past. She says he's being incre incredibly weird and creepy lately. I can only think of two examples that she has told me about, so I assume there are plenty more. Probably are. Uh, one day he finished his work here, so I thanked him for his work. Later, I found out he had texted Kim saying, quote, you know your boy wasn't too excited about the work I did. Hopefully he gets more excited when he sees you. If you were mine, I'd be excited to see you every day. Okay, <laughs> auto Christ. stop. Fuck this guy. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> fuck this guy. All right. You're going to fucking hit on the homeowner's wife, or in this case, girlfriend, which I guess you could say, I don't know. I mean, look, whatever you were saying earlier, whether or not it comes into play that you're not actually technically remarried, like, 
Anyway, all right. <laughs> I'm uncomfortable. I, I, like, I don't think anybody's taking the other side of this, although some electrician being like, well, for for a thousand dollars, territory. Yeah. There's some sub colonies like actually Union nine four eight. Uh, here we go. So I'm not sure what my relationship has to do with his work, but okay. He, like you, owns a boat and has invited her out uh, on it a number of times for her to quote check it out. <laughs> just the two of them. <laughs> Fucking boat guys, man. They're out of control. I see his name constantly pop up on her phone. I know she always deflects when he gets creepy. The fact that we're not married maybe gives him the opportunity to constantly hit her up. He's married. So what do we do? Continue to essentially get free work and put up with it? We don't have much more we'd like him to do for now. Dot, dot, dot. (laughs) Why would you want this guy at your house? Blocked. I mean, I guess, are there some people? I totally disagree. Okay, Saruti, the floor is yours. I totally disagree. So I actually have some firsthand experience in this one. My wife. Because you hit on homeowners. Oh, (laughs) no. When you were for your dad. No, 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 no. Yeah, are you A, B, or C in this situation? (laughs) Who are you? (laughs) You did say you did electrical work. I did, but yeah, no, no. Um, My wife is a realtor, and she does a lot of commercial real estate. And so she's a lot of calls, a lot of texts, a lot of kind of you know some some people are a little sketchy let's i'm just gonna call it like it is a little sketchy uh and she recently probably the last couple months sent me some texts from a guy who she was selling this property one of her clients was this Hasidic jewish guy and he buys a bunch of stuff does done a bunch of business with her and he was kind of like being like he was clearly like you know just seeing what was up kind of thing she Feeling talked multiple times about being married i think he, I, he he definitely knew about me i was in the picture but he would send her like like creepy selfie pictures of him like out of the blue oh, come on. clearly like hitting on her obviously trying to see what's up and he's married talks he's got all these kids or whatever and she was like are, are you like mad would you be jealous about this i was like no like he's funding like he's doing as long as it's okay with you and it's, it's not like weird and creepy i mean it is i guess creepy but like nothing that would actually scare you he's giving you a ton of business so i don't know i would we just kind of decide to keep riding it now obviously if this guy crosses a line and your wife doesn't feel safe then by all means fuck this guy but here's what i would do just keep inviting him over for different projects. Like every single week, you should have a different thing for him to do until he just gets really annoyed and finally stops doing it. Like maybe use this to your advantage or like he'll just quit on his own. I, th- I feel like you can still kind of use this thing to piss this guy off, even if he's still doing this as long as your wife is comfortable with it. Kyle, do you want to go first? Because I just disagreed with everything. Saruti I said. think he turned me right there. I don't I think. Oh, really? I think he got. I mean, I don't know. The only thing that I would say is like, Maybe if the non-husband boyfriend guy, if he's like not around, you're just be like, you're just going to keep like this guy showing signs of unwanted advances. And then you're like, all right, yeah, just like when it's you two in the house together, I hope it's all good. Like, I'm glad I am glad we're we're getting, uh, you know, free stuff here. But like, yeah, hope, hope, no, hope this doesn't ever get out of hand. So that like that is like that's a pretty big sliver of this of this thing. But I, I kind of agree with what he's been saying is like, you know, if, if you're almost done. Maybe just see where this goes. If if he's the only one who's really upset and she's just like annoyed, but you know, maybe she walks down the street and gets annoyed by this shit all the time. It's just that this guy's got her number. But I do see the small the small chance that like this to get out of hand. And it's like, yeah, we kind of knew and we kept inviting him to be in a room with you alone. <laughs> like, I don't know. Uh well look, first of all, 
it's up to her and her level of acceptance yeah. for this. Like, is the trade-off on the electrical work enough for her to consistently have to put up with this fucking guy yeah. who has no respect for the emailer? Zero. He has no respect for you. He's hitting on your girlfriend, your living girlfriend in your own home. He's texting her all the time, asking to go out on the boat. This guy doesn't give a fuck about you. Yeah. I also don't think it's even remotely the same to get the free electrical work, as you said, Suri, with your wife, who gets some recommendations on stuff every now no, and then, no, no. feeling he, it out. Okay. He buys multiple properties from from you know using my wife as a realtor like he's giving business and i said to her as long as you're cool with it and it's it, it's really only like selfie pictures and it's not it's just of himself like How old space. Is he? it's not anything creepy he's old like he's in his yeah 50s. old guys are fucking weird yeah he, he does not he does women. not give a fuck yeah and he's he's since stopped doing it because she just kept knocking down his advances but you know and I, again i'm not saying like if you're uncomfortable with it obviously do not like tell him to fuck off and don't do anything. But I'm just saying, if you want to get back at this guy, use him for his free work. Like, and then that you, the guy, the emailer, whenever he comes over to do work, you should be at the house at this time too. Like really kind of fuck with him. So he can't really do anything kind of Benching. sketchy on the side. I bench that day. I'd line it up. Bench. This guy's throwing up 335. Let's see, let's see how <laughs> fucking captain plug in feels when he sees you throwing up those kinds of numbers. Um, I totally disagree with you guys. I, I can understand there's going to be people that disagree with me. It's like, hey, that shit's hard to find. It's hard to get a sub that you trust to show up on time <laughs> and you're getting a great deal on all these things. Uh, so here's what I would do. I would put together a final punch list to have it all up, have the guy come over and do it. And at the end, she should start talking about the emailer being like, you know, it's just it's just been such a long road for, for my boyfriend. You know, it wasn't murder. They called it self-defense, <laughs> but you know, he was away for a while and you know, it's just, he's just looking to move past everything uh, that's gone on. But I just, you know, I've never felt safer around anyone <laughs> than with this guy because he killed the dude. All right. So I think, I think there's a way, I, I don't know. I just don't like the idea of this guy being in the house and doing this. You guys seem to like the discounted electrical work. So we'll agree to disagree. Right? There's nothing left there? Nope. I'm good. We're not afraid. We're not afraid to gnaw at the tendons. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Blackjack etiquette. All right. Wouldn't call myself uh, the definitive resource on this, but played a few hands of cards. Checking in. Six foot 205. Haven't played any pickup hoops in a while, and the gut is starting to uh, notice, but we'll uh, we'll get back out there. All right. Wanted your thoughts on the scenario. I recently encountered a blackjack table. I was playing at a table with six seats. There were five of us at the table, but one guy, let's call him Dave. No idea what his real name is. I was playing two hands. So all six spots to deal a hand were being used. All right. So this is actually pretty normal. A guy was playing two hands, especially if he was at the table before you and your friend sat down. Um, I have a feeling there's gonna be a lot of disagreements on this one. On multiple occasions, another person would come up to the table and ask if the sixth seat was open because it was, but Dave would say something like, sorry, I'm playing two hands, table's full. Nobody argued with Dave when he said this, but I could tell uh, people were upset about it. A couple other people seemed to think it was completely normal that Dave was playing two hands and that he had priority at both seats. I'm not a super experienced blackjack player, but Dave's move seemed incredibly rude to me. It isn't. I don't think it is, uh, especially if he was there before and he was playing the two hands. I guess it is kind of the dealer's call if they want to say, no, you've got to let somebody sit down there. I think that could happen. But if they were letting him do it, he also could be a regular, you know, where he's got his VIP card that they're sliding through the all time. And again, if a guy's playing multiple hands, he's either so rich he doesn't give a fuck or he's a guy that's playing a lot of poker, playing, or excuse me, in this case, playing a lot of blackjack. And, you know, if he's a regular, every, you know, he's in there all the time. 
I mean, this is this is normal. I've seen guys have the whole table to themselves if they want to, and they're they're playing enough. Um, but I've also seen people let people in. So I don't think it's entirely rude. I think it could be completely rude to somebody that doesn't have any experience with it because you're like, are you serious? I'm like, well, yeah, it's actually a thing that happens. Anyway, so uh, what bugged me the most is I was one. I was at the one of the only ten dollar minimum bet tables in the casino, and there had been a little tough to find a seat at. Probably could have guessed that. Uh, Dave was betting 50 to 100 per hand, and there was a $50 minimum bet table wide open next to us. Also, if Dave had been playing all six hands at the table, is nobody else allowed to play there? I've seen it. I mean, I've seen it, and it's kind of like, now, you know, find another table. But again, that guy would have to have enough juice or betting enough that the dealer would would think it was okay. So yeah, actually, that that would check out too. I'm sure there's going to be some other people who say, absolutely not, you can't do that. I don't know. I've seen it. Because I'm way younger and definitely a less experienced blackjack player than Dave, I didn't feel qualified to say anything to him about it, although Dave did try to stop me from hitting on my 16 against the 7, even though basic strategy says to hit, and he was trying to help me play the odds correctly. That's weird. Unless he was counting, and he thought he had like a good number. Um, but yeah, you're supposed to hit on the 16 against the 7. Because you're probably going to fucking lose anyway. Yeah. That's the point. That's that's the rationale behind yep. hitting us. So I don't know. I mean, if he was really, then he was kind of helping you as he was. Play- that's, but I don't know if he's counting, you know, or you know what no. I should say, or attempting yeah. to count, which is what <laughs> he's got a secret. Like a, counting. Well, no, the counting Gambling part secret like me and Rudy. No, the card. The counting isn't that hard. It's just that hard to keep track of that and then do the true count and then you know, like understand every single hand likelihood of, mm. you know, all, all you're doing is slightly increasing your odds. So I don't know if, you know, that's why I was saying that, but just straight up, like not trying to do anything 16 on seven. So that's weird. My question to you is this, does Dave really have priority to play two hands? If somebody else asks for the empty seat, if he does not have priority, should I have said something to Dave? Uh, if I shouldn't say anything to Dave, should I say something to the dealer or pit boss? Uh, love your show. Yeah. I don't, I don't think you say anything there. I think it's, I, I don't know this well enough, but I think the dealer could probably say something if they wanted to. And if they're not, and they're letting him say, sorry, I'm playing two hands, he's probably somebody that they have in there all the time. Uh, the part where he's betting 50 and 100 on a hand and there's an open table at a $50 minimum means that's, that is kind of annoying. I get it, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that you were better off not saying anything. And in the future, I, I wouldn't say anything either, especially when... And no offense, like the ten dollar tables, like people kind of give you a hard time anyway at the ten dollar table because it, it's it, it's basically everybody kind of looks at that as like oh you know you're just here to play some cards guys you know whatever <laughs> and I know it sounds dude, look that was the only table I would ever play on myself I remember waiting and waiting and waiting because I just didn't have enough money to lose on anything else and I honestly I. I don't like going and sitting down and, and whipping your dick out to be like, oh, I'm playing, you know, five hundred dollar fucking hands because I don't want to lose that money either. So uh, that's not where that's coming from. Um, but yeah, I don't know. You guys, anything? I I look at it sort of like I was a bus guy. I rode the bus to work for almost three years here when I first came out here, and um, you know, sometimes sometimes the bus is full and there's you know people standing and. And you're like, am I going to be a standing guy? And like, or is there's a guy with a big ass backpack right next to a seat? And like, you know, what do I do? Like, I'll point and he'll shake his head. No. And it's like, all right, I guess it's no. Like, I think that sucks. I think you probably know it sucks, but you're cool with it. What am I going to do? Go up to the bus driver and be like, hey, you know, this guy 
in the middle of the bus back here is is not not letting me sit down. He totally could. Like, I just that's how I look at most of those situations. Just like, yeah, it sucks. I won't do that to people. Um, but it's done. So it's it's just kind of regular. I I wouldn't I wouldn't let myself think about it too much. Just how it works. I assume that there is got to be some advantage of playing two hands at a full table versus like him jumping up to the $25 table and playing by himself. I would, I would assume that's the reason he's doing this. No, there actually isn't. And that's where the emailer story. And I don't think he realizes, sorry to interrupt, Rudy. No, I don't I, think I'm he even realizes. Him. Yeah. I don't even think the emailer realizes that like that sort of proves a weird point in this, that if you really are that guy and know what the fuck is going on, even though I'm a little suspicious on the six for 17, why would, wouldn't you just want to play and be in control of two or three hands at another table as as opposed to, and again, this is why I bring up the $10 hand thing. It's just considered very JV that most of the people are kind of like, hey, I want to play some cards for the night. And I, this isn't about being in anybody's wallet. It's about understanding like who's going to fuck up the flow if they do or don't know what they're doing. Yeah. And more often than not, the higher end table, those people are actually going to know what they're doing. Yeah more so than the 5 and $10 hand people who are just kind of fired up to play fucking blackjack and be in a casino and get some free drinks out of the whole thing. So if this guy is like, sorry, you know, I've got all this, he shouldn't even be at this table with a bunch of people that more often than not at the lower end tables are going to be less likely to know all the different combinations of what they're supposed to do or not supposed to Dealers do. answering a lot of questions at those tables. <laughs> yeah, right. Shout yeah, out to the I, roulette, the beginner roulette table. That is brutal. my guess. My educated guess on this one is, again, it is not a hard and fast rule. Like if the dealer wants to do something, they probably could. But if they didn't, I think that's your sign to lay out on that one. Yeah, I'm one of my least favorite. I'm, I'm not a big blackjack guy. I have buddies that are. And, you know, the, the person at the table, if you're like a hardo at a $10 table being like, hey, dude, like that's the wrong play and you screwed everybody else over. Like I don't like I look at the black yeah, owners. If you, yeah, you want to play by the. If right. you want to play by the card, then do then do you. But understand at the ten dollar table, like this isn't how it's going to work. Like that's it's it's kind of how it looks like the the John Harbaugh like analytics thing. Like I don't always follow a hundred percent of the way, but like you know sometimes I'm sometimes it's vibe betting. Like do I feel a good vibe about hitting on this when I know that the card says I shouldn't? And people that get mad about that, if you're at a ten dollar table, then that's on you, man. So I would say you you know I, there's really no way for you to get this guy kicked off the table, right? Because nobody's trying to lose money intentionally to like get this guy pissed off enough to leave. So you're kind of just shit out of luck. No, I don't think that's, but I mean, this would be like certain, certain players are like, if you're a pickup basketball game, you kind of look around and see, see what the rest of the group is like, you're not going to yell at some other guy and be like, you need to stay at the nail. You know, like <laughs> yeah. you're not, <laughs> you would yell at dudes to hold screen sound. Yeah. <laughs> right. Although I did infamously yell, don't shoot that to a guy on my team once. And <laughs> oh no. A couple buddies have still to this day, never let me live it down. And I was like, it was an awful shot. It was game. And I was like, don't shoot that. <laughs> And they were like, I can't believe you actually said to another guy in a pickup game, don't shoot that. That you just straight up did not know. Didn't know. Yeah, I think that's fair. Oh, no. You need to know the boundaries. Yeah. But there was no, I mean, there was no chance this person out of the five. He was the worst option of the five. Should not have been taking the shot. It was an intense game. And I just was like, I can't believe this guy actually thinks he's going to go fucking fucking Kobe on us here. Yeah. Anyway. All right, that's Life Advice. We'll be back on Friday. Remember, three days a week. Thanks to Saruti. Thanks to Kyle. The Ryan Russell Podcast. We're on your Spotify.
This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. 